Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am extremely excited to be back tonight. It's been a couple plus weeks since I had the show, and I just wanted to let everyone out there know that my heart and thoughts go out to anyone who was affected by Hurricane Sandy. I know it has been extremely tragic for some people, and I just want people, if you do have uh, some funds available, please donate to a charity or organization of your choice that is funding relief efforts for the victims of Hurricane Sandy. Um, I'll be doing some plugs tonight throughout the show. I just want to plug Quantum Lab Design. This is a full design service advertising company. It's an amazing company. They're currently working with projects to assist with funding relief efforts. So please check them out at quantumdesignlab.com. Sorry, I said that wrong. So it's quantumdesignlab.com. so tonight we're going to have a great interview. It's a perfect night to be back with a comedian on the show. I'm a huge fan of comedy. And momentarily we have Chris DiStefano calling in. DiStefano. I always pronounce that name wrong. I don't know what that is about that. Um, he's an amazing up-and-coming comedian, and he's been opening for Artie Lang, Gilbert Godfrey. We're going to talk a little bit about his bio in a moment. So it's an honor to have him joining many of the other amazing comedians I've had the pleasure of interviewing, including Mike Bachetti, Joseph Anthony, Jim Florentine, John, Don Jameson, R.C. Smith, and many others. So please check out the podcast for all these awesome guests that I have on my show. So before I bring him on, just a little bit about my background. And, and he and I do have something in common. We both have doctor degrees, uh, not in the same field. His is in physical therapy. Mine is in clinical psychology. And Chris also has a background in psychology. So we will definitely touch base on that tonight. Um, so just wanted to let people know one of the things I really enjoy doing is interviewing people. And I started the show as a forum to bring people on in the entertainment industry so that I could help them get their names out there and uh, spread the word about who they are to uh, the audience. So I'm going to show you're going to get a really good taste of uh, what these people's lives are like, what it's like to be in their profession. And a couple of things I kindly request people keep in mind is I do want my guests to feel open and down to earth to talk about whatever they'd like, but just to keep out any identifying information um, that might embarrass or humiliate anyone. But please feel free to talk about any stories you'd like to on the show. And also, just because I mentioned I'm a clinical psychologist, my show is purely for entertainment purposes, and uh, there's no formal therapy here. We're not doing on-the-air therapy. Uh, Not a fan of pop psychology stuff, even though I do find it very entertaining. Okay, so if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com, and you can call in if you'd like to 805-243-1320. I do have a chat room open, but because I am a one-person show, I do want to be formally focusing on the interview. So if anyone tunes in late, you can also check the podcast out, which will be available after the show to download, stream, etc. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about Chris DiStefano, and then we are going to bring him on the air. So he has performed at Caroline's on Broadway, Gotham Comedy Club, Broadway Comedy Club, and The Laugh Lounge. He's been opening for major national acts, as I mentioned early on, Artie Wang, Gilbert Godfrey, to name a few. He's also been chosen as one of Comedy Central's comics to watch, has been featured on MTV's Guy Code, 
which is hilarious. I was watching some of that uh, over the weekend on uh, online. Really good stuff. And he's going to be in two new shows starting this January, including MTV's Philosophy and Money from Strangers. So he's definitely going to talk a little bit about these upcoming projects and ventures that he has tonight. And personally, I think he has an amazing story to tell us, a journey he's been on. As I mentioned, he has his doctorate degree in physical therapy. Uh, he mentions in his bio with no shame that he still lives with his mother at home, and I'm sure we can uh, touch base on that tonight too. And again, just check him out online. He's in some crazy YouTube videos with Artie Lang that are hysterical. Um, so I can't wait to personally see him live in the near future. So let's bring him on because he's got a spot tonight at around 7.45. So the busy guys, so we, we have to kind of, no pun intended, get, it, get him in and out. Hey, Chris, how hey. are you? How are you doing? Hey, how are you, Terry? I'm good. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. So, yeah. um, how are you? How are you doing with everything with this storm and stuff? Are you okay in New York? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, I uh, didn't lose any power. Um, the only person that had some problems was my dad. He lives on Staten Island, so he had, you know, um, some fences blow down and a couple of trees blow down. But okay. uh, he's doing okay. So, yeah, everyone's all right. Good. Well, that's good to hear. That's great. You didn't lose power, man. You're probably one of the uh, slim few out there. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Cool, cool. So, yes, I know you're you're busy tonight. You got a spot. Where are you performing? Just to give yourself a plug, so if people are around and they want to check you out. Um, tonight I'm actually uh, going to be at the Village Lantern. Okay. At the Village Lantern at 7:45, and then uh, Stand Up New York at um, 9:15. Oh wow. Okay, so you're pretty you're pretty jam packed tonight. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So why don't we start yeah, a little bit out with that? No, I said, yeah, sometimes that's, that's how it is, you know, especially in New York. There's so many places to perform that you wind up finding yourself doing a few shows a night. Absolutely. Yep, I, I know of a yeah. few up-and-coming comics, so I definitely want to ask you some, you know, kind of business-related questions a little bit later in the show because I know that you're really hitting the scene pretty quickly and, and making a great name for yourself, which is awesome. So it's really cool. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about just kind of who you are growing up. What were you like? Uh, when did you start to develop an interest in comedy? Where are you from? Um, well, you know, I was born and raised in uh, Brooklyn, um, you know, single-parent home, just me and my mom. I'm a mother's only child. Um, and, you know, my dad lived down on Staten Island. Um, and I think, you know, I my mother would always tell me, like, I'd played basketball my whole life. Um, and, you know, all sports, and I would always ask, when I would ask my mother, like, what do you think my talent is, I would always want her to say, you know, the specific sport I was playing, but she never would. She'd always say, I, you know, your sense of humor. So okay. I think as a child, yeah, as a child, she realized that, you know, the things that I were doing, because, like, she would, get, she would always tell me stories like, you know, I would get in trouble all the time in school, and she'd be like, okay. you know, your son, like the teacher would call, you know, her and be like, look, your kid just did something ridiculously stupid, and he's, in, you know, getting detention, but it was hilarious. Give us an example. You know, what, what, give us an example of something really crazy that you did in your youth that you got detention for. Um, Like, you know, like there was one time where, you know, like just silly stuff. Like, you know, I went to like a Catholic school, and, you know, like I went in uh, to, to, to the bathroom one day, and I came back, you know, and I, I put my boxer shorts on, you know, over my pants. And, you know, I came back and I and I painted in, 
you know, I'd, I'd take him like a brown marker and colored in like, you know, like a crap stain, like right. a big mark. <laughs> and, I, and I walked back into class like nothing happened. And then the pro, the thing, the teacher started yelling at me, right? And I was like, I don't know, maybe like 12. So, and then when she started yelling at me, I was like, you don't realize I have a problem. You can't be doing this. You know, we all have issues. We're, we're, all, we're all God's creatures. How dare you? And so she didn't know what the hell to do. So she just called my mom. And then my mom was like, he's an idiot. Give him detention and tell him that, you know, he's grounded for two weeks. And, like, don't let him pull his psycho babble crap on you. So oh, every so time I did, like, I just always felt like, you know, I always, you know, wondered, you know, I always tried to, like, you know, push my limits. And my dad, like, it was my mother would discipline me, you know, by grounding me and stuff. And my dad would just, you know, just throw me around and just be like, you know, you can't act this way. You know, if you act this way, you're going to get hit. <laughs> okay. No, it's funny. That's yeah. really cool stuff. That's hysterical. So I could see yeah. how that's kind of where you started to develop your sense of humor. What were you, were you watching anything particularly on TV? Was there any particular comedian or someone who inspired you when you were little growing up? Um, I definitely loved uh, growing up. I loved Sam Kinison. Um, you mm-hmm. know, my dad, uh, you know, because my mother would never obviously let me watch any of that stuff. And then my dad lived on Staten Island. And when I would go to my dad's house, it was just, you know, playtime. Like, you know, my, at my mother's house, you know, I couldn't have soda, I couldn't have fatty foods. And I would get in my car, my dad's car to go to Staten Island. And he'd be like, check the cola, kid. And there would just be sodas <laughs> and chips and Twinkies. And then he would, you know, sit me down at night. And we would watch, you know, during the summer, we would watch, like, David Letterman. And, you know, he showed me. You know, videos like you gotta watch this guy Sam Kennison. He is great. Don't tell your mother I'm letting her watch him. You know, and I would just watch Sam Kennison and die laughing, not even really knowing what he was saying, but just mm-hmm. seeing my dad laugh. So then I laughed because um, I want to be my dad, be like my dad. Um, you know, minus going to prison. Um, so because <laughs> he, he was in prison. Um, so I would. Uh, well, yeah, you know, he did. He had a couple of stints in the joint, if you will. Um, okay. He, uh, I don't know why. I don't know why I need to say if you will with that. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, no, That's but he okay. was. No, you're doing great. Oh, thanks for the reassurance, Gary. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, Block Talk Radio. Uh, so I, um, he was just, you know, he was, you know, got in a little trouble and stuff. He was, he was a good dude though. He's a really good dude. He mm-hmm. just, you know, he, he like, you know, he ran up with the wrong crowd a little bit. Growing up, you know, from the Bronx, like, you know, real Italian guy. So he would, uh, you know, I, but he was fun. Like, and I feel like a lot of my sense of humor definitely comes from him because he's a really funny guy. Nice. And, you know, I, I just think my parents were so different. Like, my mother's like a very, you know, like astute, you know, well-educated, perfect posture lady from Queens. And my dad is just like a street thug, seventh grade education, you know, right hand on his left nut 24-7. Right. From the Bronx that, and they're just polar opposites, but somehow they created me, and I, you know, I feel like I, you know, that's why sometimes I feel like my comedy is like zany and, and a little weird, just because it's like I had weird, really weird parents. Right, yes, definitely polar opposites, and and again, I can appreciate what you're talking about, because we both have doctor degrees, mine's not physical therapy, but I work as a clinical and forensic psychologist, and I work full-time in a maximum security correctional facility, so oh. I know all about yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it. It's it's crazy. It's challenging. It's entertaining at times. Um, so yeah, well, we'll talk maybe off the air. I I manage a inpatient unit of over 150 beds of, of psychiatric maximum security inmates. 
is to fuel stand-up comedy, but it's it's what I wanted to do for six years. So like my I'm sticking to my plan as it as I planned it out. You know. Wow. Very. You know, I have to tell you, Chris, very strategically done. And you know what? I think it's I think it's brilliant in a way because I think most unfortunately, and I understand if you're passionate about something. I have a background in music. I have an album out as a solo artist, but I also knew. You know, and that wasn't similar to you until a little later in life that I got into that. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do this, but I also know how challenging and difficult the industry is in so many entertainment-related aspects. So I think it's really cool that you actually, you know, you're realistic, but you're also pursuing your dream, and it's that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, especially in New York. Like, the stand-up comedy scene is, is you know, I think most people agree that the most challenging in the whole country, mm-hmm. maybe even the whole world. So... so you know, I knew that going into it all. Like, I did a lot of research on what it takes to become a stand-up comic. I always had the passion. I think I think anybody who sticks with it, with, sticks with stand-up comedy, we all, you know, we have that passion, and it's not about money. Like, some of my coworkers right. can't understand, like, oh, Chris, how can you do some of these shows for no money? Or how can you, you know, do all these, like, open mics or stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning writing a joke that may not even work? And it's like, because you just don't understand. Like, I don't. Like this is my passion. Like I would do this for free for the rest of my life if if I won like twenty million dollars. Right, right, tomorrow. right. Like if I could support myself and a family off like money that I got from like a trust fund or something, I would do stand up for free for the rest of my life. Like, it's not a you don't have to pay me. I just love doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell yeah. you're talking about how difficult it is to break in some of the research you've done. You know, what are some pointers I guess in terms of getting yourself out there and starting to, if you can, lead us into your journey with getting on some major bills with Artie Lang, which is awesome. So how do you start out? How do you start kind of getting your feet in some of these doors and then getting into some of the bigger clubs? Well, I started out by taking a stand-up comedy class, um, which I would suggest for someone who is brand new, you know, who's never Mm -hmm. done it before, just just to understand what, like just to get just to get yourself on stage and have some type of guidance on what you know um like uh uh you know like what it takes to actually get up there and the technical aspect of it holding the microphone you know moving with a purpose on stage but i would you know highly you know uh suggest you take this class anyone out there who take the class but just for those purposes don't ever let mm-hmm. anyone tell you what they think is funny or not because even someone you know Chris Rock could tell you, oh, you should do this this joke. And Chris Rock is one of the best comedians of all time, but he doesn't know what's funny about you. He only knows what's funny about himself, you know. And I right. feel that really strongly about, like, you know, with all my basketball coaches, like, yeah, they can teach you the exact proper form to shoot a jump shot, and it'll increase your, you know, accuracy. But with stand-up comedy especially, I can't tell you what's funny. Like, a joke that works for me may not work for you and vice right. versa. So. Take the class to, just to get those nerves out and to realize, like, wow, I can stand here and try to attempt to be funny in front of strangers and, you know, survive it. Or, you know, I know how to take the mic microphone in and out of the mic stand. I know to move with a purpose. I know to edit my jokes. But that's it. Don't ever let anyone take the creative away from you. You have to do that on your own. And, you know, I feel like that's why it's such a sin when somebody steals a joke or somebody right. being, you know, hacked, someone's being, like, hacky, because it's like, you know, like, the ones out there that are trying to be original, like, it's so hard, and we go through so much to try to just make a joke that's our own. So when someone takes a shortcut, it's like, wow, like, I can't believe you just, you just like, defied us, defied yourself like that. Like, 
then we don't want we don't want you to be a part of our comedy family. Right, right. No, I can I can appreciate that. Definitely when you guys are, you know, doing that grunt work and you're trying to make a name for yourself and get out there and people are and I've seen that. I've been, I've been going to comedy shows on and off for a couple of years now and I just love going and I hate when I do, you know, see someone pretty decent that that's, you know, using bits and stuff from someone else. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Not, not it's, cool. It's, yeah, it's the worst. It's like, and, 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 you know, you get branded out there. It's like it's like being accused of being mm-hmm. a pedophile. Like, no one's ever <laughs> going to come close to you again. No one wants right. to talk to you. No one, that's it. You're just completely outcasted. Right. Wow. So, don't ever do it. So, taking a comedy course, as you said, or a class, in terms of, like you said, to kind of get the nerves out and, you know, learn some of the basics. Um, and then what do you do in terms of when you're starting out? I'm assuming you have management now or an agent. Yeah. Yeah. I have both so, now. I have both now. I've, I've been really lucky to get both. But when I first started, wow. I hit the open mic. That's mm-hmm. what I did. I hit the open mics. Um, I got lucky that a comedian named Pudge Fernandez, great, great guy, um, any new comics like out there, like he's a guy to like look for. He's so helpful, uh, you know, to the younger comics. He kind of took me under his wing and took me from the open mics and started booking me on some of his, you know, barroom shows or like, you know, club shows at like the Laugh Lounge and, you know, New York Comedy Club. He helped me with that. He helped me transition from only doing open mics to now doing um, comedy in front of, you know, real people, because, you know, in an open mic, even though, you know, we're all real people, obviously, you know, none of us are avatars, um, I feel like <laughs> the, the comedians are, when when you're doing comedy at an open mic in front of other comedians, like, the joke doesn't really get, uh, uh, doesn't really get, like, a, a, the, the tr- you, you don't really know, like, if that right. joke really works now, it'll work in front of those comedians because they really like dark, twisted humor or because they just want to laugh at you, you know, because they think maybe you can help them get a spot on another, in another club, or right. vice versa, maybe they won't laugh at you at all just because they, they don't like you or they're not listening, they're worried about their own jokes. So I feel like you can't really judge a joke at an open mic. You can really only judge it at um, at a show. So that's why I uh, another thing I did with open mics, when I first started, I started actually doing my comedy I started doing comedy at music open mics because I felt that music open mics or like poetry open mics, those people aren't stand-up comedians. So, so I'm going, I'm doing my art form to a group of people who are in another art form, so they're going to listen to me because they're like, well, what is this guy talking about? He's not, you know, playing the jazz flute. Right, right, right. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Cool. So that's well, what cool I did. That was my little way to get around it. Right. No, that's great. And, and as you said, it, you've been fortunate to meet some helpful people along the way, which is sometimes difficult because, you know, everyone's kind of out there trying to fend for themselves and, you know, move forward. So it is awesome when you can find people that are supportive and want to help yeah. you out. So that's really cool. So yeah, I, know we're, I know we're time crunched and stuff. So talk a little bit about some of the, some of the highlights in your career, being uh, named one of the comics comics for Comedy Central and some of the other projects that you have in the works. Yeah, um, that was cool. I got, yeah, I was just you know, selected as one of Comedy Central uh, Comics to Watch, um, which was awesome. They was, you know, they auditioned, like, a lot of people, and I think they only picked ten of us from around the country to, to be on a showcase for them. Now that was um, broadcast on their website, and, you know, you hope awesome. that, you know, you, 
you get on that, and then maybe, you know, now all the executives and the big higher-ups from Comedy Central were there, and, you know, maybe you get on their network to get a chance to showcase your comedy for them. Um, and, you know, and I want to just, you know, say, like, all this started from, you know, I got a manager. I was actually doing a show. You know, a lot of – when you first start out, you can do, you know, you do these things called bringer shows where you can bring right. five or six people and, you know, get on stage, you know, on a – you know, Wednesday night, and they say, you know, there's air quotes industry there, but that industry could just be, you know, one of the freaking bartenders from the club who's just sitting there and then reports back to the club owner, like, if they thought you were good or not. Like, I feel like some of them aren't justified. The bringers, it's just like a scam to get the club money. So I feel mm-hmm. like you got to look now. One guy, a guy named Jeff Lawrence, does really good bringer shows where every bringer show you do for him, he actually has real industry there, and he really helped me a lot in the beginning, too. But actually, how I got my manager was I was just doing comedy, like at like a 10-person show at Eastfield Comedy Club on like a Tuesday night. Like it was really rainy, like nobody, I didn't, you know, the show was like really kind of awful. The audience was spread around. And I just kind of said to myself, there was something weird. Like I was like, you know what, let me just do like, let me not just mess around. Let me just do like six minutes that I've been working on and just see how it works in front of this front of this dead crowd and I didn't realize at the time that one of the people sitting in that crowd was Dennis Leary's assistant. Um, wow. Dennis Leary owned a management company called Apostle and his assistant talked to me after the show was like can I talk can I tell you my company about you and I was like yeah absolutely and I didn't even think that it was any of it was like real and then the right. next day I get a call from this man named Jim Serpico who owns Apostle who's the president of Apostle and co-owner with Dennis Leary and before you know it, they they have me. They have me. Um, the big manager named Conan Smith and Jim Serpico come, and then the Slayer sits in again. Come and watch me at Caroline's, and then they wind up signing me to their company. And that all happened on Tuesday. And by Friday, I'm literally shaking hands with Dennis Leary himself, signing wow. myself to their management company. And it all happened like kind of out of nowhere. Like I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't you know, knocking down anybody's door to try to get them to look at my tape, but they literally just found me. And that's one thing that I noticed and I heard coming up, and I still hear all the time, is, like, the managers, the agents, like, they'll find you. Like, don't worry about going to find them. Like, they'll find you. And I feel like that's true in a sense. Like, they, when you when you just kind of fall into their lap, like, it's a lot better relationship because it's organic. You know, I didn't, right. you didn't right. send them a hundred tapes or a resume. Or, so I feel like, and I, I feel like, you know, all the, you know, and I'm not saying I've had, like, major success, but the little bit of success that I've had is all because of them. I mean, a manager and an agent, you know, really yeah. help. And because of my manager, you know, he got me the audition for MTV's Guy Code, and I got on Guy Code. And then from Guy Code, you know, I got on um, an MTV pilot called Epic Fail that's now going to air on, on MTV in January. It's going to be called Failosophy. And then from that, I got on, you know, Money from Strangers. All the MTV stuff I've gotten on has, has really stemmed back from, that manager seeing me, you know, just like a rainy night, like for 10 people, he just saw me and was like, you know what, like I'm going to give this guy a shot. And, you know, Dennis that's Leary awesome. is already like a major celebrity, so he has a lot of pull. And, you know, and that and that's the reason why I'm, I'm getting all this stuff, just because I didn't kind of mail it in. No, I mean, congratulations, Chris. That is just amazing. It's such a cool story behind it, too, because like you said, it wasn't like you were out there, you know, just, sending out resumes and trying to get people's attention, and that's just really cool, really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. So tell us a little bit about what's uh, what's the concept of uh, 
the strangers, the money for strangers, or the strangers, I'm sorry, let me the money for, from strangers. What's the concept of that show? Well, Money from Stranger is actually, and that was uh, that show is uh, the host is this guy named Jeff Die. Um, you know, he's a comic. You know, made the final on Last Comic Standing a few years ago. You know, mm-hmm. is on a, a bunch of stuff. I'm um, on MTV. Basically, we go around in a van and we, uh, you know, pick people off the street and ask them. We give them a the headset and we have a headset in a van parked down the block. And we have, like, a live monitor. They, we put a camera on, on a book bag that we make them wear, and we can see everything they're doing, and we make them do different things in different settings. So, like, you know, we, we have this woman or this guy going to a deli, and we made him order, like, you know, everything on the menu. Or we had him, you know, go up <laughs> to, to other people, you know, in the deli and, you know, say or do silly things. And that person, that, you know, uh, the bait on it is the person – can win upwards of, I think, like 100 or $200 based off how long they can stay in the game. Either they leave the game because like, I'm too embarrassed, I can't do it, or they get thrown out by by the owner of the store. That's awesome. Funny. And yeah, I think, so you know what, I, I just have to say it's kind of like social psychology-related stuff, and I love social psychology stuff. You know, like Jackass, when they put these crazy scenarios out there and they want to see how the, you know, the people respond to them. I love that type of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and it was cool, too, because I got to do that show with, like, my best friend in comedy, Mike Cannon, um, who's also on that Philosophy show, too. We do a lot of stuff together. I feel like you need a friend in this, too. Like, I feel like that's something important that I, you know, that I would want to say. Like, you definitely need a friend in this because the highs and lows in stand-up are, like, truly, like, I'm not even trying to be, like, dramatic. Like, it's, like, the craziest thing I've ever experienced, like, a true, like, like roller coaster of emotions. Like, mm-hmm. I... You can, like, like for example, like, you know, like, this weekend that just passed, like, I opened up for, like, Jay Moore in front of, like, hundreds of people every night. I went out, like, on a movie audition. I filmed Guy Code. I was feeling like, oh, my God, I got things going on. And then, like, tonight, because I didn't have anything, you know, before, because I didn't go out on an audition or because, you know, I had auditioned for something last week that my manager called me and told me I didn't get, like, I feel so low again. And it's. You know, and it's just, like, the craziest feeling. Like, it's literally – so, like, you need a friend to just, like, talk to him and be like, listen, right. you know, am I – is this right? Is this what's supposed to be happening? Right. But I would hope, Chris, too, I mean, and you know it's being – you know, having some background in psychology that all those major things that happened over the weekend are amazing. And so tonight you can kind of reframe it. It's a little bit of a break. And I'm sure in a few days you'll have another bunch of uh, awesome things going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know, I know. See, like, that's the thing, though. Like, like, you know, I did go to school, and I, and I try to be, you know, as self-aware as possible. So mm-hmm. I know, like, I, I try not to be, you know, um, I try to be as rational as possible because I know, like, everything you said, and, and, like, I realize that what I'm doing is, is kind of being irrational and the thoughts I'm having are kind of, like, irrational. Like, yeah, come on, there is probably a good thing right around the corner, or I have to just give myself credit sometimes. But even with knowing that, I know the feeling, how I feel still remains like you I can't just ever be like so happy that like like I've never said the words I killed I've never said that I right. hey I don't think I ever really have and B it just kind of pisses me off when people say that because I'm just like you know like because most of the times when people come off stage and say oh my god I killed they never <laughs> kill it's right. like it's the people who honestly kill like when I've watched I've watched Louis C.K. absolutely mm-hmm. murder kill and he doesn't say a word he just leaves you know well and there you like, go Whatever. We'll, we'll have to talk you know, off the air because we have so much in common. But but there you go again. The people that say they killed are the people that are so insecure and they have to put right. this 
you know, grandiose ego out there to make themselves feel good about themselves. Whereas the confident people like yourself and Louis C.K., you don't have to say you killed even if you did because you're confident that you did a great job. Yeah, well, I mean, Louis C.K., I mean, maybe he's more confident. I mean, I don't know. So for me, I don't know if it's, it's necessarily confidence. It's just it's just like I just feel – you know what it is with me? I feel like it's um, – because my mother is so Catholic that there's, like, guilt, and I feel, like, superstitious. Like, I feel like if I say I killed, then that's going to mean, you know, oh, I'm not going to kill. Like, and it's just such a weird cycle. Damn it, moms. <laughs> We'll have to have a talk with your mom as a psychologist. I'll have to have a talk oh. and tell her she can't do that to you anymore. I'm coming. I'm, we're doing sessions together, you and I, so I hope you know yeah, that. No, I, I really want to talk to you because I love the concept of the show about your dad. And one thing, and I don't because this show is about you, I want to really get involved in is character development. And I love comedy yeah. with my psychology background. And I think, oh my, you know, with the stories and stuff I have from all the different psych hospitals and prisons and corrections I've worked in, you would just you would eat it up. So we'll definitely have to talk. Let's do it. Okay. I'm forward to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I guess, yeah, please, right. uh, yeah, please share with the audience, you know, where people can find you, your website, Twitter, um, all that good stuff, upcoming shows that you want to plug. Um, okay, well, uh, my Twitter is at Chris D. Comedy. Um, you know, website, com. It's it's being built right now, so if you go to it now, it's like kind of like under construction. But I put on Facebook, which is just Facebook.com, you know, Chris DiStefano, um, and the Twitter, at Chris D. Comedy. I usually put up every show um, I'm doing. Uh, I, what I have coming up this weekend, I'm opening up for Jay Moore again at the Stress Factory. Um, I'm opening up for him this weekend and actually next weekend. Next weekend we'll be at Bananas Comedy Club. And then I'll be actually opening up for him again that following Friday, November 30th, at Gotham Comedy Club. So I have a couple of things with Jay Moore coming up. And then um, nice. I'm opening up for Artie Lang again um, Saturday, December 8th, at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. Um, if anybody, you know, listening up there, they can, you know, come to that. Wow. Artie's always cool about giving people, um, you know, tickets and anything Howard Stern related. Uh, Artie always gives, you know, will comp people. He's really cool about that. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, I got that, and then I got, um, you know, I'm doing a bunch of, you know, like some fundraiser shows for, you know, Hurricane Sandy and all that. Like, I'll, you know, any way I can help with that. Like, that's when I feel like, in a time of tragedy, I feel like your gift of humor really comes in. And now yeah. that, like, I just brought that up, like, I feel like that's when I really felt like I had a gift. I mean, you know, I don't know if, the, I'm not saying, like, I'm like a freaking wizard of comedy, but I just, know that, like, I can, you know, make people laugh a little bit. Like, I'm, I play with myself a lot, and I feel like after 9-11, my family kept making comments because, you know, it was hard for all of us. We lived in Brooklyn. You know, we knew right. a bunch of people who passed away. And, it like, they would say, like, oh, Chris, like, you know, you're, you're, you're keeping us all in good spirits or, like, you're so funny. Like, you take my mind off things for a little while. So I felt like that's when I kind of started. I didn't necessarily say, oh, I want to be a stand-up comic, but I, I think I remember – being like 17 years old, like realizing, like, oh, maybe this is my talent. Maybe this is what I, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just making people laugh. And especially now, like in the hurricane, you know, we did a big benefit show uh, a couple of weeks ago at City Winery, where you know the comics we all just did a few minutes, and it was all the proceeds go to Hurricane Sandy, you know, relief efforts and all that. Um, so I feel like that's, uh, you know, in times like this, it's really, I really feel like blessed to, you know 
be able to go up there and, and try to make people laugh. Because, you know, sometimes you're just going to bomb. That, that's what happens. I feel like that's part of it. You know, but, right. but I have the, I feel blessed to have the opportunity to for people to come out and say, you know, I can get their mind off things, especially if they're going through something. Yeah, no, I agree. I think comedy is just amazing for yeah. so many different things, and especially, like you said, with the tragedy and, you know, all the different things people are going through right now. It's That's great that you can be out there to support them and uh, put, a, put a smile yeah. on their face despite, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well, I want to let you get prepared for your show because I know you go on in a little bit. But, um, okay. yeah, thanks so much for calling in, Chris, and I wish you much continued success. We'll definitely be in touch, and if you want to come on uh, in the near future again uh, to promote some of your stuff in the new year, let me know, and I'd love to have you back on. Thank you so much, Carrie. I really appreciate uh, the, this interview. It was really a lot of fun. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Take care, and All I will right, cool. definitely be in All touch right. with you. Okay. Good luck. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone, Chris DiStefano, please check him out. Go to ChrisDiStefano.com. As he said, his website's under construction. You can also find him on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, if you tuned in late to the show, the podcast will be available. So just a couple more plugs because I know he was uh, in a rush tonight because he had a lot of stuff going on. I didn't do my normal break, but I'm going to do some of the plugs now. Uh, Please be sure, as I mentioned in the beginning of the uh, show, check out Quantum Design Lab. They are helping with relief efforts for Hurricane Sandy victims. So please check them out. Go to quantumdesignlab.com. Flirt Energy Drink, check them out at flirtdrink.com. It is an energy drink specifically formulated for the female athlete, and it's a pleasure working with them both on my radio show as well as as a musician. My single, Vanilla Skies, is used to promote and endorse the project. And check out Davin's Den. Dan, I'm a huge fan of comedy. It is a fast-paced podcast featuring comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip Helix. So if you're looking for a show that can make you think and laugh out loud, Davin's Den is the show for you. They go live Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So to watch live episodes here or watch old episodes or find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den page at davincomedy.com, and that is spelled D-A-V-I-N, comedy.com. Please follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. If you follow me, I will also follow you. You can find me on Facebook. I have two personal pages. Send a request to the one that is not maxed out. Um, and also please become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook where I will regularly give updates on upcoming events and guests on my show. So thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in again tonight. Check out the podcast for Chris Stefano if you didn't hear it awesome comedian and amazing story that he had to share tonight. We're going to close the show tonight with my single, it's a ballad called Another Life, off of my album Leave It All Behind. If you like what you hear, you can check it out on iTunes, Amazon Music, and any other digital sites under Carrie Edelman. Thanks again, and have a great night.
again.